we, last Sunday we had uh, the bucket ministry present, and man, that was a blessing. I mean, every time I hear these guys, I'm so glad that the Lord led them our way so we could support them on a regular basis. But to hear of all the places they're going, it's just been tremendous. But the week before that was Easter Sunday, and so I, I've sort of been in a, get a little break here, and, and you get the break but I'm chomping at the bits to get back in and, and teach in the book of Acts because we move into a new section of Acts. And let me say this. We have, they have decided that we're going to continue through the summer and finish the book of Acts. So we will study the entire book of Acts together, which I'm so glad because it looked like we were going to stop about halfway through, and yet now it's, uh, it's good that we're going to go all the way through the book of Acts. But if you'll remember, if you try to go back and remember just a little bit about where we were previously, and I say that, I almost laugh. You know, if I, it would embarrass me if I were to say, well, how many of you remember the, the, lesson, the last lesson we had together? I don't remember the last lesson we had together. I, I know that. I don't try to fool myself into believing that we all, man, that was such a great lesson. It, will, it changed my life forever. It just doesn't happen, Charlie. You know, we, it's okay to forget these things. That's why we continually feed, right? Uh, I don't remember, well, I do remember. I don't remember what I had for dinner Thursday night. But it worked, and I'm still here, and I'm sure it was good. And I'm sure it was a blessing. Well, I don't remember everything that I, that I feed upon, and that's why we need to feed regularly. Amen? Amen. Amen? Amen. Hey, maybe not. Maybe we don't need. Maybe you eat once a month, so that's okay. And some of us could afford to eat once a month, maybe, you know. Amen? All right. Now you say amen. All the skinny people said amen. All right. All the, all the rest of us said, oh, me. Now... In Acts chapter 13, we actually finished in chapter 12. We didn't study Acts chapter 13. Uh, I'd like to, but we don't have time to catch up on all that. So if you'll just remember a couple of things, that starting in chapter 13, we had the expansion of the church, and that goes through chapter 20. So we really see the establishment of the church in the first 12 chapters, and now, boom, it's going to, it's going to just explode. And... I can prove my point about what, what we remember and what we feed on. Paul's first missionary journey then starts in chapter 13. We didn't get to see the beginning of it. I'm going to read a few verses so that it sets the stage for us. But we didn't get to see it. That's the, the missionary, the first missionary journeys is chapter 13 and chapter 14. Now, how many of you have studied the missionary journeys of the Apostle Paul somewhere in your Christian life? All right, most of us. How many of you remember where he went? <laughs> None of us, including me. <laughs> so it's good for us to stop. I, I don't think it's necessary for us to say, okay, the first one he went this direction, the next one he went this direction, the next one he went this direction. I, I don't think it's necessary. It's impossible for us to constantly have that on our mind because we're, our minds are finite. And to understand and remember all that's impossible. But it's, it's good to rehearse that study in our mind. And we're going to study these three journeys 
of the Apostle Paul and this swapping out of personnel that went with him and why that happened and what happened in each one of these cities because it's our history. It's our church history. It's where we came from originally. If they'd, have never, if they'd just done the first part of Acts 1-8 where he said, I'm going to give you power and you should, you should receive power and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and stop there, we'd be in trouble. Or Jerusalem and Judea, we'd still be in trouble. And Samaria, we'd still be in trouble, but then he goes to the uttermost part of the earth. That's where he's going, going to the Gentiles, ultimately comes to us. So, chapter, go back to chapter 13. And let's just kick this off, and then we'll get into chapter 14. Uh, actually, look at the last verse of verse uh, chapter 12. When Barnabas and Saul had finished their mission, they returned from Jerusalem. Where did they go back to? They went back to Antioch. Now remember, this is Antioch of Syria. Okay, the, There are 16 Antiochs in ancient history at this time. It's just like my parents used to always brag about going to Paris on their honeymoon. It was Paris, Texas. <laughs> But it's true, true story. He used to, when I was a kid, oh, my parents went to Paris on their honeymoon. Yeah, Paris, Texas. Big deal. How many of you have been to Paris, Texas? What a blessing that is, right? <laughs> sorry, Mom, if you listen to this, but Paris never did do it for me. I'm sorry. Paris, Texas. Paris, France, that's a different story, right, Sal? Um, nothing to do with the lesson. Now, verse 1. Now in the church at Antioch, there were prophets and teachers. Barnabas, Simon called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, and Manaen, who had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch and Saul, while they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, which is not a part of our study today. You'll see it again. We're going to come back to this at some point and talk about worshiping and fasting. Uh, it's it's going to be, a, uh, it'll be, I, I'm not sure yet how I'm going to do the study, but we're going to do that. He said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I've called them. So after they had fasted and prayed, they placed their hands on them and sent them off. So here's the starting of the first trip. They separate them out. They have a, have you ever been to an ordination service where you send people, missionaries out, or where you send a pastor out, or even deacons or elders or this is what this is, where it all comes from. They started here doing things. This, when they sent Barnabas and Saul out onto the mission field. All right. Now, so after Agrippa died, 12, he died in A.D. 44. Barnabas, Barnabas and Saul, they returned from Jerusalem. Let's go ahead and put the map up, John, and I'll, and I'll show it. And the Holy Spirit selected Paul and Barnabas to go. Somebody joined them. Remember, anybody know who joined Paul and Barnabas? Anybody? Anyone? 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 It wasn't Fred. John Mark. That's exactly right. Okay, you get an A today. John Mark. Now, John Mark joined them. They left for Antioch for Cyprus. Let me show you the route. All right. They started here. This is Antioch. Jerusalem's down here. They, just to give you some context here, so they started in Antioch. Then they went to Cyprus and Paphos, and then they came up to Perga. Uh, something interesting happened in Perga. 
which we didn't read about, which is in chapter 13. Anybody know about Perga, what happened in Perga? Did somebody leave the group? Anybody remember? Somebody left the missionary group. John Mark left, all right, which would later become an area of contention. Paul said, I don't want you anymore, you're a quitter. Barnabas said, the son of consolation, the son of encouragement, he said, come with me. And then they worked it all out in the end. Then they go up, this is, what is this today? Do you know? What area is this? What country is this today? Turkey. Turkey. This is Turkey. Here's Ephesus and, and right up here, Istanbul. So this is Turkey. So you go from Perga up to Pisidia, to Antioch. This region is called Pisidia. And then to Antioch. This is Antioch of Pisidia. This is Antioch of Syria. This is where the church is who sent them out. Then they go to Antioch, Iconium. Then they go to Lystra, to Derbe. And then they come back the same way everywhere except that they, they add in Italia and they skip Cyprus coming back and they're home. And that takes about 18 months to 24 months. All right, so that's the first missionary journey. And they don't even know, the church doesn't really know what to expect. They don't really know what's coming, but that's the first missionary trip. Now, go to chapter 14. In chapter 14, we have, let's read the introduction to 14, which is verse 48 of chapter 13. When the Gentiles heard this, they were glad and honored the word of the Lord. And they're in, let me stop here. They're in Antioch, Pisidia right now. They're in the, right in the middle of their journey. So they were there, and all who were appointed for eternal life believed. At verse 49, the word of the Lord spread to the whole region, but the Jewish leaders here in Antioch incited the God-fearing women of high standing and the leading men of the city of Antioch. They stirred up persecution against Paul and Barnabas and expelled them from their region. So they shook the dust off their feet as warning to them and went to Iconium. Now that was common. It happened in, uh, with the disciples and so on. It happens today. If you have a certain group of people that come and knock on your door, and if you don't agree with what they say, if you watch them when they go outside, they do a little shake of dust off their feet. I won't say who it is, but their initials are Jehovah's Witness. <laughs> and then it says, uh, verse 52, and the disciples were filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. They get kicked out, they're filled with joy. Because a lot of people got saved. Now, we come to verse chapter 14. So they leave here, and they head to Iconium. Now, Iconium in the, uh, is in the Roman province of Galatia. That's where we get the book Galatians. Galatians was written back to the churches in this area. So um, it's in Galatians. They travel about 80 miles east uh, to uh, Iconium. And this is a trade center, an agriculture center. It's a big highway, goes right through it, trade route. And then they begin at the synagogue. That's a normal pattern. Paul and Barmas come into town. Where's the synagogue? If there are 10 worshiping Jews within the city, they can form a synagogue. So there was a lot of Jews in Iconium, obviously, and so they go there. Now, what were the results there? Well, a great number, it says, uh, they spoke so effectively that a great number of Jews and Greeks believed. All right, a lot of people get saved. Verse 2, it says, but the Jews who refused to believe stirred up the other Gentiles, poisoned their minds against the brethren, so they get resistance almost immediately, right? Now, 
go on down. What else is, a, what's another result? The city is divided. The city is divided. And then in verse 4, it says that exactly. I believe it's verse 4. It says, yeah, the people of the city were divided. And then verse 5 says they continued preaching. So here are the key events of this chapter, which I skipped. Uh, chapter 14, the key events are, they're in Iconium, the first seven verses. They're in Lystra and Derby, verses 8, all the way down through verse 20. Then they go back home to their home church in Antioch of Syria in verse 21 down to verse 28. Okay, now, so they have great results. Everything's going well. Verse 5 says, there was a plot afoot. I like that. There's a plot afoot among both the Gentiles and Jews together with their leaders to mistreat them and to stone them. But verse 6, they found out about it and fled to Lystra and Derbe and to the surrounding county where they continued to preach the gospel. So this is the typical evangelistic approach that Paul had. Here's what happens. He goes to, he goes to the synagogue first. He starts to preach. Uh, and Barnabas as well. They experience opposition, and they continue preaching. And then the miracles, you'll see in verse, I don't want to leave this out, verse 3, so they were speaking boldly to the Lord and confirmed the message of grace by what? Performing what? Signs and wonders. Again, how do you confirm that you are of God in, and, and preaching about Jesus and eternal life and his message of grace and bringing the gospel, how can you do this if you don't have a scripture to say, well, hey guys, turn in Galatians chapter 3. Galatians chapter 3 hadn't been written yet. So he confirmed it with signs and wonders, and that was a pattern. And then the division always occurs, then there's threats of violence, and then they go somewhere else. So that was the pattern of his missionary journey. So you may not remember where they go, but you can remember how, what happened every time. And what happened every time is the same thing. Go into the synagogue, preach, a lot of people get saved, and opposition comes. They keep preaching. God says, here, these are my people here of signs and wonders. I certify what they're doing and then they come and give perse their persecution arises. Then they they leave and go elsewhere, which is exactly what happens here. Now, in verse 8, they go to Lystra and then on to Derby. Now, the first thing that happens in Lystra is that we see there is a, there's a miracle that takes place. Now, I, think, I want you to think about this miracle. Verse 9 and 10. Somebody read that for me. Just read, uh, read loudly. Read verse 9 and 10. This man was listening to Paul as he spoke who when he had fixed his gaze on him and he had seen that he had had faith to be well and said with a loud voice, stand upright on your feet and he leaped up and began to walk. Okay, so you got a, you, you, you've got this miracle, a lame man. Is this miracle similar to anything else that's already happened in the book of Acts? Anybody remember? The, the answer is yes. <laughs> yeah, okay, good. You get an A plus because that's a long time ago we studied that. All right, this is very similar to the miracle. It's almost exactly the same as the miracle of Peter. Remember when they were coming in, and Peter and John were coming into the gate, beautiful. Uh, outside, they were going to the temple to worship, and there's a beggar there, and he healed the beggar. This is very, very similar. 
I never have stopped and wondered, but why, there were a lot of signs and wonders. We don't know what they all were. Why did, he, why did Luke choose to record this sign and this wonder? Why did he say, Paul, uh, go and heal this guy, and I'm going to tell about it? wonder why that's recorded and nothing else is. What's the importance of that? Yes, exactly. They are, you're saying, they, they, the, the church in Jerusalem, they thought Peter was everything, right? Because he was opening the door to the Jews. And now you have Paul doing all this stuff. He does, God records the same miracle to say, look, the same thing is happening. Peter went to who? Jews or Gentiles? Jews. Mostly Jews. Paul went to Jews or Gentiles? Gentiles. So he, he's, he's validating their ministry in the same way, which I, I, I think is important. Uh, so he goes to Lystra. Oh, there's somebody else that's important from Lystra that got saved in Lystra. Anybody know who that is? He wrote a book of the Bible, two books of the Bible. Well, no, a book was written to him. I'm not, he didn't write the book. The book was written to him. I'm sorry. Who, who was saved in, or who was from Lystra? Timothy, exactly. Oh, that's two A's. One more A and you, you get to teach. No amens. All right. Timothy. Timothy is, is from Lystra. And Timothy's obviously his mother. And uh, Eunice and Lois are from, from there. They're Jewish. His father was a Gentile. And Timothy joins them later on in the ministry. So he's from there. Very young and sort of Paul's son in the ministry. All right, now, what happens is Lystra, in Lystra is really unique. In Lystra, they get there, and in verse 11, starts talking about when, the, when all this crowd saw what was going on, they start talking in their language, which Paul and Barnabas, it's sort of a dialect that they probably do not speak. So they're going, what are they talking about? And it says, uh, the gods have come down to us in human form. Barnabas, they called Zeus, Greek god, uh, the head of the pantheon of gods, right? Don't you remember your mythology? Yeah, you remember your mythology? Okay, I know you do. I don't, I hated it. And Paul, they called Hermes. Hermes was the, the god of uh, oratory. They believed that Hermes invented speech. So, you know, Paul's doing all the preaching, I guess. And so they say, this is Hermes, the other guy's Zeus. And uh, I know a lot of you have been reading the poetry of Ovid lately. I know several of you have shared that with me, the blessings that you've received from Ovid. I don't really know who he is either. He was some guy way back then that uh, wrote poetry. He, but he, he did, there was a lot of historical poetry, and he talked about Greek mythology, and he had said that Zeus and Hermes had visited the city before in human form, and nobody knew it. So when you're reading this poem, you'll recognize that uh, of Ovid. Ovid, what a name. You know anybody named their kid Ovid? All right. So uh, what's really interesting about this is the archaeologists have gone in and studied, have dug up Lystra and found inscriptions of their patron gods. And who are they? Zeus and Hermes. So these are the two big guys that they worship. And they say, this is Paul and this is Barnabas. And when they say that, they come and they, they bring sacrifices, they bring wreaths to the city gates, 
They want the crowds coming. They want to offer sacrifice. But Barnabas, Paul said, friends, why are you doing this? We are human. I mean, they, they, they tore their clothes and rushed out into the crowd. Much different than when Herod was acclaimed to be a god, and he said, yes, it's me. And he died. He was eaten of worms. I don't think they wanted that to happen, and they didn't want that impression. We're not, we're not gods. But then the message is really interesting how he brings in the message. He doesn't come in and immediately say, I want, I'm here to tell you about Jesus. You want to do this? I want to tell you about Jesus. I want to tell you about how he died. I want to tell you about the prophecies of Jesus in the Old Testament because they would have gone, what's the Old Testament? What is the covenant that you're talking about? So what did he do? Here's the message. He described God to them in a way they could understand what he was talking about. Look how they descri- he described God. In uh, verse uh, 15, we are bringing you good news, telling you to turn from these worthless things to the living God, number one, who is who? The creator, who made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them. They had gods for each one of those, right? So they said, no, there's one God and he's the creator. Number two, it said in the past he let all nations go their own way. He's the merciful and gracious God who allowed nations to grow and prosper and to become what they are today. He allowed that. And then number three, and uh, verse 17, yet he has not left himself without testimony. He has shown kindness by giving you rain from heaven and crops in their season. He provides you with plenty of food and fills your heart with joy. What a way to preach to someone who doesn't know anything about Jesus. He starts off and says, God, your creator. God has been merciful and God has shown you kindness by providing for you. And what did they, how did they react? We already know a lot of people get saved, but verse 18, even with these words, they had difficulty keeping the crowd from sacrificing to them. They still don't get it. So verse 19, then some Jews came from Antioch. There's always those who keep following around and try. Why? Because the enemy was after him at every step. This was huge. This meant that the door was opening, we'll see, to the Gentiles, and here comes the enemy in the form of the leaders of uh, uh, in Antioch of Pisidia as well as Iconium. They've tried to get him. They've been plotting against him. And now they rush down to Lystra. They can't leave well enough alone. They don't want people to come to Christ. The enemy is encouraging them and inspiring them to come and stop the gospel. So it says they stoned Paul and dragged him out of the city thinking he was dead. Now was he dead or not? I don't know. And if anybody tells you they know, they don't know because the Bible doesn't say if he was really dead. They thought he was dead. That means they stoned him hard enough to make it look like he was dead. So they drag him out of the city. And I like this. And the disciples, they just gather around Paul. And he got up, went back into the city. And the next day, he and Barnabas left for Derby. Great miracle. So they head to Derby. Derby is now 35 miles or so east of Lystra. And later in Acts, we learn that there's a sizable community of believers there. And so uh, they preached the gospel in that city and won a large number of disciples. I mean, 
they talk about large number. These are thousands of people coming to Jesus. Revival is taking place in Pisidia, in Galatia. I mean, churches are starting everywhere. That's why, I've got to calm down a little bit. That's why I'm so glad I'm a part of this church. As I was walking in today, I saw that this is Lake Point has planted 40 churches across the country. Isn't that amazing? That's what they were doing here. They're planting churches. People are being saved. That's why, how many people did they report uh, made a profession of faith on Easter Sunday? How many? 2,500? Is that over 1,500? A bunch. Okay. And ministerially speaking, it was 50,000. But you know, it was a lot of people came to know Christ. That's what happened here. People get saved everywhere. You know what? Let, don't take where God has placed you by His grace. Don't take it for granted. You're in the middle of God changing lives by the thousands every week. It's amazing. Okay. Now we turn to Lystra. They say, they, now, now they go, let's circle back. So they return to Lystra, Iconium, and Antioch, and what do they do? They follow up. They're helping the new believers. They go back every one of the places. I, I got, you know, Paul came, he, Paul visited Lystra where he got stoned three times after he got stoned. And he said, I'm not worried about that. So he goes back. He said, I got a church there. I got to go strengthen them. So he strengthens them. He encourages them. Verse uh, 23, he appointed elders for them. He organized. He said, well, what, what, is, that, what is the elder? Well, elder was used to be elder, pastor, bishop, overseer. Many times those are used interchangeably as your senior leaders of the church. Sometimes they preach. Sometimes they teach. But they were. he organized the churches. God always shows us in Scripture he likes order. He likes say for those of you that don't, that like to draw, you know, draw outside the lines and sort color outside the lines, which I was told was a sin. You know, from birth, you have to, if you didn't stay inside that line, you are you're sinful. Well, I think I can back that up from scripture. God's a very orderly God. He he likes is well. Let's just have his church, and we'll just all be. We'll all teach. We'll all preach. And We'll all sing, we'll all do it. No, that's not the way God set it up. He set up his local churches with leaders and overseers and teachers and preachers and evangelists, and he has a very orderly pattern. And so that's what they did. They went back and made sure they set that up. And then they committed them to the Lord. They said, okay, we've done everything. Elders, you've got it. We commit you to the Lord. And then verse 24, they came into Pamphylia, and they head back now. Uh, all the way back to Antioch. Verse 26, they sailed back to Antioch, where they'd been committed to the grace of God for the work they now completed. On arriving there, they gathered the church together and reported all, all that God had done through them and how he had underlined this in your Bible. He opened a door of faith to the Gentiles. What does that mean? The gospel went to the Gentiles, number one. It was by faith, message, not by law. Not by works of the law. It was by faith. This is all new. And God did it. That's the best part. Said so that he, God, had opened the door. God opened the door to the Gentiles. So, 
Let me apply it real quick and we're done. Number one, what does it tell us? Expect a mixed response to the gospel. I wish everybody I talked to you about Jesus said, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm ready. What must I do to be saved? And that didn't happen. Expect, we should expect in our missionary work, we should expect there to be a mixed result. When rejected, go on to the next opportunity. I think it's important from what happened here. In, in the church that started early, every time they were rejected, they didn't go, well, I, I, you know, I guess I'm done. No, they went on to the next opportunity. It's endless. Our opportunities are endless. And then they report. They, they, they report. You could spend the whole time, which we didn't do, but you could spend the whole time just on how blessed it is to report what God's grace has wrought. One of the, one of the, great, the most fun that I have in, ever, in speaking is sharing the good things that I hear that God has done. The answered prayer, the souls that are saved. The, the most exciting thing I got to do last Sunday was to say that Liz got to lead her father to Christ. And we should report those things. Isn't that, that's, that's the kind of process that these guys went through after they started the church. Now, I, you could, if I were to give you missionary stories, I'm done. But if I were to, I, I, I love missionary stories. And I, I'd love to give you, some of you had grew up in a missionary home. But I read this missionary story that I just have to tell you. This is from 1806, the Hairstack, Hairstack, Haystack, Hairstack. That's hairspray, isn't it? The, some of you have Hairstack. Some of us wish we had Hairstack. The Haystack prayer meeting of 1806 is famous in missionary history in our country. It was a guy named Samuel Mills led five other people in a prayer time for you know, starting to do great mission work. Their hearts were burdened for mission work. And ultimately they started the Six years after that prayer meeting, they started the American Board of Commissioners for Foreign Missions. Their first missionary was Adoniram Judson. Now, Adoniram Judson was some missionary. He went to India. Nobody was going to India to be a missionary. He went to India and served all of his life as a missionary. But I, I think we forget sometimes the sacrifice that's involved. I believe in home missions. I believe in missionary as you start next door, so don't misinterpret this. But I also believe there's great, great, great sacrifice and leaving everything and going to somewhere where they don't know you, they don't speak your language, and they don't invite you. You're going just to share the gospel. Well, Adoniram Judson decided to do that, but before leaving for his life as a missionary, he fell in love with Anne Hazeltine. And so before leaving the United States for India, Judson wrote to his soon-to-be father-in-law asking for her hand in marriage. So dads, let me see what you would answer if you got this letter. Here's a portion of it. I have now to ask whether you can consent to part with your daughter early next spring 
to see her no more in this world. Whether you can consent to her departure to a heathen land and her subjection to the hardships and sufferings of a missionary life, whether you can consent to her exposure to the dangers of the ocean, to the fatal influence of the southern climate of India, to every kind of want and distress, to degradation, insult, persecution, and perhaps a violent death. This is not how I'd suggest you write and ask for your <laughs> hand in marriage. Can you consent to all this for the sake of him who left his heavenly home and died for her and for you, for the sake of perishing immortal souls, for the sake of Zion and the glory of God? Can you consent to all this in hope of soon meeting your daughter in the world of glory with a crown of righteousness brightened by the acclamations of praise which shall resound to her Savior from heaven, heathens that are saved through her means from eternal woe and despair? You know, we don't know a lot about sacrifice, do we? But we have the opportunity as Mike reported this morning, to pray, to give, and to go as God leads us. And that's what happened in the first missionary journey, right? Let's pray. Father, thank you for the, the, the tremendous lessons that you give us from your word to help us. Lord, I pray this week we'd be faithful just in our area, and just in our neighborhoods, in our family, those around us, to share what you've done for us. What little sacrifice compared to the sacrifice of you on the cross. Thank you again. In Jesus' name, amen.